0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Hack. Hey there, Ange McCormack with you for the Hack podcast, filling in for Dave Marchese on today's episode. And today, it's the shake-up. We're looking back on all the big stories of the week. Here's what's coming up. Hack. The most insane
0: festival the world has ever seen. Work hard like every waking hour. Get your
1: f-ing ass
2: up and work. Some major news broke on the internet yesterday involving arguably
1: the most famous child actor of this generation.
0: On Triple Jack.
1: Yeah, we'll be talking about the comeback of Fire Festival. We'll get into work addiction, or maybe you've got the opposite problem and you're like, yeah, nah, fully overwork at the moment. Plus, Stranger Things star Mo- Millie Bobby Brown is engaged at 19. We'll talk all about young marriages and why everyone's so invested in celebrity relationships anyway. Of course, we'll get into this with you on the phones, but also with our Shake Up guests. Eliza Barr, News Corp Jono. Shake Up Regular, work addict. How are you going?
2: Oh, absolutely a work addict. I think <laughs> I've spoken about this here before I've really exposed myself. Yeah, but.
1: it's a safe space. We're allowed to, to talk about our addictions Thank here. goodness. <laughs> Um, great to have you as always. And we've also got Raf Dixon, musician, podcast host, startup owner, G'day Raph.
0: G'day, how are you going?
1: I'm very well. I'm very excited to get into this shake-up. Great to have you both. Let's get into it.
0: Hack. Here's a reminder of what's been called the biggest fraud in music festival history. Oh
1: no! Right around
0: on Triple Jack.
1: Yeah, do you remember Fire Festival? It was that festival in the Bahamas that promised to be huge but ended up just being this epic fail and led to massive lawsuits plus jail time for its organiser. Its organiser Billy McFarland was convicted for wire fraud but now he's out of jail and this week he's like how about Fire Festival round two? Nothing went wrong last time. What could possibly go wrong now? What do you think about Fire Fest? Would you go just to witness the inevitable chaos? Or does this all seem like another elaborate scam to you? Call me 1-300-055-36. Hack.
0: The marketing was incredible. No one disclosed that they were ads. Fire Music Festival hit with a class action lawsuit from concert goers who spent thousands of dollars for what was supposed to be a luxury weekend of food, art and music in the Bahamas. didn't turn out quite that. that. That way, these guys are either completely full of shit or they're the smartest guys in the room. Billy McFarland is
2: back. One year after being released from prison, the Fire Festival organizer takes Twitter on April 9th, writing, Fire Festival 2 is finally happening. Tell me why you should be invited.
0: It's been crazy. A little less than three and a half months since my sentence ended. And really just been a whirlwind of finding the right people, finding the right opportunities i really just dealing with this overhang of probation and the constant fear that there's someone out there who could send me back at any time by taking a wrong turn. On Triple J.
1: Yeah, you're listening to Hack on Triple J. It's the shake-up. We're talking all about Firefest right now because apparently it's coming back. Raf Dixon... I know that Firefest has a special place in your heart. <laughs> Tell was, me it, more.
0: It was my favourite day online. I think it was the best day. Out of all day. the days, out on of, all of the internet. Out of every day I've been online, that was the best day of them all. Tell me why. I mean, just the looks on the faces of people on this island, going live and posting videos. I know it's cruel or whatever, and what does it say about my psyche, but like, it was enjoyable to watch that chaos. We all want a little bit of chaos, right? Yeah,
1: the, the Germans have a word for that, schadenfreude. Seeing the suffering of, you know, people that you don't particularly <laughs> like.
0: But I do reckon we need to give him another shot.
1: Okay, because?
0: Well, one, it'll be funny.
1: Yes, Okay. But the, to, the content will be good. You'll have another, like, fun day on the internet.
0: Yeah, exactly. But everyone deserves a second chance. He's served his time. Let's see what he can do.
1: Really? You really think that?
0: Or yeah, I mean, like, look, this, we don't have the same sense of entrepreneurialism that they do in America. In America, it's good to fail, right? He knows what not to do. Like, don't scam people and make false marketing claims and maybe save like, people. Do or, we
1: trust him, Eliza? Do you trust order some him water. <laughs> not, to, not to make the same mistakes again? I
2: think it is extraordinary to want to give this brand another go. I mean, <laughs> this bloke makes a mud year at Splendor look like a luxury resort Oh, glamorous, stay, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's just I, I can't I can't decide if I would go because on the one hand I've seen those horrifying appropriations of cheese sandwiches and the general chaos and mayhem. And that makes me feel so terrified. But on the other hand, my journalist brain is kind of like, I do want to be there on the front lines just to watch it go down. (laughs) Because it was a really fun day on the internet, so...
1: It's hard to know if, like, if it does happen, which I'm like slightly skeptical about mm. it happening in general. Like, it seems it does seem like some kind of marketing ploy mm. or who, scam who buys or something. those tickets? Well, yeah. And if it does happen, would they genuinely go for it and try to redo the Firefest one, or are they kind of leaning into the chaos and going to just set up this elaborate, like, horrible experience Games on purpose, catching
2: yeah. fire type sequel situation?
1: Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> so. Kind of in all seriousness, you know, the, the organizer tweeted, you know, about Fire Festival 2 happening, and someone replied being like, Why aren't you in jail? And he came back being like, I've done my time, which he has. Um, but do we really think that, I don't know, someone like that with that track record should be allowed to, to do the same event again?
2: I mean, am I giving this man my hard-earned money? Probably not. Again, if it's a media pass situation, I get to watch the chaos unfold. Different situation. But if I'm a consumer, if I'm someone that was there the first time, or if I'm someone who's thinking, am I actually going to get value for money out of this experience? I'm thinking probably not. I think the situation partly resolves itself. And anyone who's Game enough to pay this man to attend his event be after well, all yeah. we know about what happened last time, then I think it's a matter for them and they can reap whatever they sow from that investment. Mm.
1: Who do we think would be like an appropriate fire festival lineup? Like, who, who would we want to see on that bill? Who is chaotic or like well, kind of L- flashy enough to, to fit that bill?
0: I reckon LFMAO. L-F-M-A-O. <laughs> Lmf. Lmf. I think that would yep. be that would okay. be a hot book. I'm just thinking about the people who I really want to see. Like <laughs> okay. He's pretty much my favorite artist of all time. I mean, Jar Rule was an investor, right, in yeah. the original one. So is Jar in on round two? Not sure. That <laughs> so could
2: be very funny to watch. We do watch. need to
0: know. It, yeah, someone called like, you know Eliza. I mean, you're angling for a media pass, like. Maybe you should get on the blower, see if Jar's yeah. involved.
2: Get on the blower and sort it out and see what I can come up with. That's a, it's a good idea. Maybe I should start calling around and finding out who's whos game to do Firefestival
1: <laughs> 2.0. You're listening to Hack on Triple J. I'm Ange McCormack filling in for Dave Marchese today. It's a shake-up. We're talking all things Firefest on the Triple J text line. Someone says, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Anyone dumb enough to believe this has no one to blame but themselves? Probably true, but, yeah, I guess they know what they're walking into. There's something I almost respect about this. I want to say, like the guy who went through the biggest fail ever. Like nothing more could have gone wrong in, in what happened with Firefest, and he's still determined to go for round two. He's yeah. like, you know what? I cu- I could get it right this time. Do you respect that determination? I mean, it the does, hustle.
0: It does take a special mind. I mean, you asked before: is it going to be different? Like, grifters gonna grift, right? Certain <laughs> people just have the gene to just be because gr- I think you're right. It's it's a publicity thing. He obviously craves. You know, being out there, the intention, et it's working.
1: Yeah. We're talking about it here. Yeah. Mm, yeah, you so, got us.
0: Yeah. You <laughs> got us. He good. You got
1: us. Um, but also, you know, there's some serious things like to clean up from the first fire mm. festival. Someone is pointing out in the text line that it can't really be fire fest two because number one didn't really happen. And that's, true as well. But, you know, the locals on the island in the Bahamas, some of them are reportedly still out of pocket. They're still dealing with the mess. Like, it's kind of a funny joke to make fun of Firefest. But at the same time, there's some serious things to clean up. Can you imagine what it might feel like for those locals, Eliza, or people that bought a ticket and like, honestly, had a really bad time? Like, how would they be thinking about this news?
2: Yes. And I think that you're right. That is the serious side of it. If there are, you know, local business owners and people who invested, who took a chance on this opportunity and had it blow up in their face and they haven't been compensated. I think this is an incredible slap in the face. As for the punters, I think it depends on the kinds of punters that we're talking about here. If these are rich people for whom this is pocket change, I probably feel a sliding scale of less sympathy for them as opposed to the people who really believed that this was going to be a fun weekend away in the Bahamas and it turned into this hellscape of broken tents and plastic cheese. So I feel <laughs> I feel worse for them and I think it would be pretty rude to not compensate those people and also the business owners before having another crack at this.
0: Surely, though, the business owners in the Bahamas are making a bunch of cash from that fantastic crypto exchange FTX, there, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's it. It's, you know, swings and roundabouts for yeah. local Bahamas business owners. I yeah, guess.
1: possibly. I also saw someone be like, is this um, festival going to be sponsored by Netflix? Because I feel like the biggest winner out of right. Firefest Fest was Netflix in that documentary because um, that was just huge. And I imagine if it does happen, they'll just send
0: the crew along with them, right? That's
2: it. Just get on the front foot and catch us as as it's actually
1: happening. Yeah, it'll be like so.
0: one of those protests where there's more journalists than there are actually, yeah. like, <laughs> protesters.
1: <laughs> yeah, everyone's just, like, live tweeting, yeah. like, nothing's happening, guys. <laughs> (laughs) All right, well, let's keep moving on to workaholics.
0: Hack. Are you burned out? Have you been burned out? I feel like I'm burning out. Am I burned out? What is burnout? If work is this enjoyable, that's all I want to do and think about. Why shouldn't I do that? On Triple Jack.
1: Yeah. Are you a workaholic? Yesterday on Hack, we spoke about this super interesting research that's going to look into work addiction. Some people just can't switch off. They struggle with work-life boundaries and, of course, that ends up leading to burnout. Are you living to work? Or maybe you're the total opposite and work is just work. You can log off. Maybe you're even quiet quitting or kind of phoning it in every day. Let me know what work's like for you at the moment. Call in 1-300-055-36 or text 439 757
0: Hack! Work like hell. I mean, you just have to put in, you know, 80-hour... 80 to 100 hour weeks every week
2: burnout. Not just a figure of speech anymore. It's actually been declared a legitimate medical diagnosis by the World Health Organization.
0: It is officially defined as a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. (laughs) I found
1: validation in business, in how much money I made, in the relationships I had. I enjoy my work now, but I'm not attached to it. Now, the world's biggest trial of a four-day working week has ended in success with the
2: performance of companies largely unharmed and workers feeling healthier and happier.
1: We've got a 20th century set of labour laws, but we're a 21st century workforce. One in two workers now are women. Uh, four out of ten workers are responsible for someone else while they're on the job, and we really need to play catch up. On Triple J, you're listening to Hack on Triple J. I'm Angie McCormack, filling in for Dave Marchese. on Fridays. We do the shake-up. It's our time to look back on stories from the week, and I'm with musician and podcast host Raph Dixon, plus news cop journalist and noted workaholic. Eliza Bar, Eliza, tell us about your work addiction. Okay. So, I realized
2: that it is a privilege of sorts to be able to do something that I'm passionate about and lots of people either can't do that or for some people work in general is just not a passion. It's just a thing that they do to to get through life. So, I recognize that I'm very lucky and very privileged in that sense, but for me, work doesn't always feel like work because it's something that I enjoy so much and it just it doesn't feel like an imposition. Is your boss
1: like telling you to say
2: it? <laughs> <laughs> no, It's no. all right Eliza you
1: can tell the truth. <laughs> my my boss is actually
0: the best boss in the world. Yeah
1: <laughs> no, Being boss. A, you don't even have to pay me it's so good. I know, no I'm just happy to do it. No but yeah, you know. yeah, yeah seriously. Um, they actually
2: have to tell me to log off sometimes because I'm just a little bit too addicted to the grind so I think that makes a really big difference for me uh, in terms of you know, grappling with potential burnout and that kind of thing. For me, it's just often not a stretch to do what I do because I just really love it and I really enjoy it and I get up every day and I feel motivated and excited and pleased to be doing what I do. And I'm definitely living out a childhood dream. But I also think that for me, I didn't suffer in the way that many people might have suffered during the pandemic because journalism mm. was
1: essential work. So I just... And kind of, you were still out in the field. Exactly like, not, right. Not, you know, at home having to yeah your work from exactly, home set up. Yeah. Exactly
2: right. And even before the pandemic, I was also progressively really a remote and mobile worker because I was out in the field most of the time instead of in the office. So things actually barely changed for me. And it's mm. just, there's never really been that sort of massive evolution or change or disruption that other people may have experienced so I think that's probably contributed to a sense of well-being for me but I understand that for people who you know were adjusting to working from home for the first time and you know figuring out what that boundary between personal life and work life looks like when a you're in lockdown and b you don't really have that okay well I'm getting this five thirty train home now I it's you're just in your Mm. office before you go to your living room, or you're in your bedroom before you go to your living room, or you just move to a different part of the living room, and that's supposed to be the end of the day. So uh, for me, work is not a struggle, but I can absolutely understand the other side of it or see the other side of it that other people, you know, may be suffering this burnout after this massive period of change that we've been through in recent years. Mm.
1: And as someone in a career where you do kind of have to stay logged on, like it's not just your addictive yes. <laughs> nature to the work. It's like as a journalist, you kind of have to be That's right. scrolling the news. If you don't, then it's like you're not going to be able to do your job properly. Exactly right. So when you go on like a holiday for like a longer period of time, how do you find – the the transition to being logged off is that is there an, a logged off version of Eliza Barr or is
2: no I... no I'm always logged on which again my bosses are very stern about me continuing to come up with yarns when I'm supposed to be minding my business and on holidays uh, again for me I think what makes that relationship healthy is that I really love what I do and when I rest I do try to rest well and I try to pay myself back the relaxation and the rest and the personal time that I need after I have re-engaged with my work, if that is what I do. But knowing that uh, through experience uh, rest is really important. I think Mm. I probably wouldn't enjoy my work as much as I do if I didn't also really invest in my own personal time, even if that doesn't involve logging off entirely. It's having that fluidity between being actually in a state of rest and having that personal boundary mm. to create time for myself and time for my relationships and time for my personal activities and pursuits. Okay, so you're not, your life isn't just work. No, no. it's not. I think and <laughs> you're I making think, it so. <laughs> yeah, I think the contrast is important. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I guess, you know, work hard. Rest hard is probably the, the best. That's oh, how God. that saying goes, yeah, isn't it?
0: like the most boring thing I've ever heard.
2: <laughs> well, because I don't want to say play hard and give you a particular impression of what my personal life is like. Some
1: people will, will, on the text line will identify with work it's, hard, rest hard, but it's like some will not.
2: playing to not. healthy <laughs> and socially acceptable degree.
1: Okay. Raph, what's your relationship with work? Like, is it work hard, rest hard? Is it? Are you addicted to work? How does it work for you?
0: I, I think I'm very bad. I'm a Libra. Like I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm very
1: balanced. Are you like Leo rising
0: though? <laughs> uh, I'm Cancer, like Moon or something, which doesn't sound like me at all.
1: Okay, so can you translate?
0: <laughs> um, no, like I I keep myself busy, but like in every aspect, I'm kind of not personally someone who just like chills out or whatever. Like mm. I'll, I'll fill up all my free time with activities. I'm an activities person. And I am lucky enough to like enjoy my work as well. But like that, um, I know, probably isn't the norm. Like I think, yeah, we're really lucky. Like most people don't like work and nor should they. <laughs> like you wouldn't you wouldn't survive in um in France, you know, they've got the laws where you're not allowed to email yes. after after five. Oh my yeah. gosh.
1: Would you like personally hate
2: I just that but how do they, how do they do the journalism? What, what if something's happening? They go home and
1: live their lives. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what if the journalism can wait. Sometimes <laughs> have the a little news baguette. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Maybe it's better sometimes that we don't hear about new things after five. What if we just never learnt <laughs> a single thing after five? <laughs> None of my that. business
1: what happens. No, but, Rath, like, hack happens at 5.30. Yeah, Sorry, whatever. Five, six okay, six We're, not six We're not French. O'clock. We're not
0: French. Yeah, you know, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's like going back to... Pre the internet, really, it's that if something happens in the middle, well, there's there used to be late newspapers, but otherwise you would have to wake up in the morning and go and pick up the paper and find out what was yeah. going on.
0: Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's it's chat, it's Slack and chat apps, really, that's accelerated this, right? Like, yeah. The idea that you're always contactable. Twitter, uh, well, yeah,
1: social media just in general. Yeah, and yeah. it's hard to have that boundary, like to set that boundary, maybe as a young person as well in your job. Like, if there is an expectation from your boss to to stand up and be like, no, I think some younger workers are being a bit more confident with that. But when it's your first job and you want to impress them, like that kind of just ends up happening. I feel like it sort of seeps into your life. Um, on the Triple J Tech sign on oh four oh four three nine seven five seven triple five, someone says, I'm a nurse and I always know to not let the job take over my life because otherwise I'll go crazy.
0: Mm.
1: Someone sa- else says, if you love working in the plumbing industry, it feels like a holiday every day. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big if. And someone says, I work to live. I don't live to work. Dane from the Goldie. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we were Just talking before about like when your work is like a passion or your dream job and that kind of thing. I can imagine you know when it is a privilege to have a job like that and I'm really lucky. I love my job, but when you do get burnt out at work and it's a dream career, it's something you are really passionate about. That burnout or that like tension between you and your job feels even worse because you're like, I should. Why am I feeling burnt out? Why am I feeling stressed or not wanting to go to work? Because shouldn't I be grateful and like happy to be here? Have you ever had that? Also like
0: part of your identity then as well, right? Yeah. Like if, if you're so invested in work and if all of a sudden, you know, you don't have that spark, then what does it mean about you, you know?
1: Mm, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Eliza? Yes. So Dave
2: Laopepe has a really interesting... Yes, Gang of Youths yes, yep. has a really interesting take on this that has stuck with me, which is that sort of back in the earlier days, um, before they went completely stratospheric as a band, he used to refer to doing gigs as going to work. Mm. So actually creating that delineation between the aspect that is passion and I think that's probably very key to creative industries and as a writer and a musician I feel that myself. What part of it is for me and for my pleasure and my personal enjoyment and my rest as opposed to what part of it is the part where you've clocked on and you have to go to work. Right. So, I so you think those like
1: language things of being like this is work, my yes. job, rather than saying like, oh, like I'm off to, yeah, play my dream gig tonight. It's like time to get away. Yeah,
2: it's exactly. Like, <laughs> it just, like
1: de-romanticises it Yeah, just in a keeping
2: way. that delineation so it's not, you know, I can't write or I can't play music in my personal time anymore to relax because it's only... Something that I do to make money, and something that is the thing that I have to get up and go and do every day in order to pay my bills. And actually, having those boundaries between the two different ways that you engage with the things that you love, I think is probably a good way to safeguard against that kind of burnout where you start to hate the thing that you love and are passionate about.
1: Mm. On the Triple J text line someone says, as a self-employed person it's impossible to switch off. If you're not working you're not earning and you're always contactable to clients through social media. So true compared to you know more traditional jobs where you can just say no or call in sick. Uh, someone else says, I'm a teacher and it's my second year and I'm exhausted. Sorry to hear that. Um, but they also say, I love my job but I'm on holidays and loving it. I feel so much more myself. I guess that brings me to my next point about usually burnout and people's um, work addiction or issues with that is to do with the workload, right? It's like, I'm working too much, too many hours, that kind of thing. And whenever we talk about that, the conversation point about four day work weeks always comes up. I'm interested in this because in the past two weeks, we've kind of had an unofficial trial of the four day work weeks because of the Easter public holidays. Mm. We've had two four day work weeks in a row. Society has not fallen apart. In my mind, I don't think. Have you seen rough your workplace go to shreds with a four-day work week? Uh,
0: uh, we did make less revenue. On, <laughs> in one of the businesses, Damn it. <laughs> on, um, and I couldn't buy a takeaway drink from the bottle bottler as well. But um, mm. no, no, yeah, like yeah. I, I'm all for that. I think uh, I've certainly been someone who has found flexible work, at least in my line of work, to be way more productive. Um, and look, yeah if the job's getting done, the job's getting done. But I think that this kind of speaks to your point. Like, if, especially if someone's in a management role, um, they don't feel comfortable with people working flexibly and the work getting done without oversight because that kind of takes away from their identity and their job. Like, if you're a manager and all the people you manage are just kind of off getting the job done out of eyesight, then, like, what, what are you doing? And you kind of lose that sense of identity. So, I don't know if, uh, if people are going to be into it which I also think speaks to like maybe some of that, um, you know, I know the study that you mentioned, 30% of Australians potentially feeling like um, or being on the precipice of being workaholics or whatever. I think some of that anxiety probably comes from the fact that you don't really, like there is a, uh, like a precarity to work and you don't really um, have an identity or whatever. And like modern society is kind of so mm. complex and we've lost meaning and so we try to find meaning in our work. But what happens if our work isn't that meaningful? Like not, most work is not meaningful. Yeah, well, it's just a job that has to get done. It's a job that has to get done. Exactly, So, yeah. like, of course you kind of feel anxious because of that.
1: Yeah, and, and the trouble with a work addiction is, like, the nature of an addiction is that you derive some pleasure from it, right? So there's always going to be this complicated relationship of, like, but I love it, but I hate it, but I love it. So, yeah, that's where it gets really tricky. On the Triple J text line, someone says, I used to work for a business that did 70-hour weeks. We worked really hard and we partied even harder, which made the job well worthwhile and good fun. That's good, I suppose. Um, someone else says, I wish I loved spending 12 hours a day working and commuting. Hi.
0: When I saw this, I was like, wait, isn't she only like 19?
1: Everyone's saying she's 19, but I thought she was 11.
0: On Triple Jack.
1: All right, moving on. This week, we talked about celebrity breakups and why everyone gets so invested in celebrity relationships in general, like Taylor Swift and her partner, who apparently broke up this week. And this week we also saw Stranger Things star Millie Bobby Brown announce her engagement to Jake Bon Jovi. She's only 19, which has led to a lot of judgment from people about the right age to get married. What do you think? Should we leave celebrities' love lives alone or is it fair game to gossip and judge away? Text me 0439
2: The internet freaks out at basically any big celebrity announcement, but this one was special because in people's minds, Millie Bobby Brown is perpetually the age that she was when she started in Stranger Things. Millie Bobby Brown and Jake Bongiovi appear to be engaged. The Stranger Things star and the actor, who was the son of musician John Bon Jovi, seemingly announced the happy news on Instagram Tuesday. She captioned her post with lyrics from Taylor Swift's Lover.
0: I've loved you three summers now, honey. I
1: want them all. How did we
2: meet? We met on Instagram, the, the old Instagram, and uh, we were friends for a bit, and then um, what can I say? I, mean, I woke up this morning, and then when I saw this, I was like, wait, isn't she
0: only like 19?
2: You know, I wish them all the best. I know it seems a little young, but as we know, kids in Hollywood grow up a lot faster than regular kids.
0: On Triple J. Yeah,
1: you're listening to Hack on Triple J. It's a shake-up. We're talking about some of the big big stories of the week, including the big celebrity breakups, of course. Eliza Barr, let's get into this celeb news. Taylor Swift and her partner, the alleged breakup. Do you have thoughts or feelings or do you kind of not want to engage in the celebrity gossip, leave them alone? Well, I want to make a disclosure of interest, which is that I'm a massive Taylor Swift stan. So that's the first Swiftie. thing.
2: Yeah, Swifty. Yeah, I'm yep. a Swifty. Yes, I'm a Swifty. Uh, look, i I do very much care about Taylor Swift's life. I do, but I also recognise... Is it because it's like going to
1: be future fodder for an album? Well, yeah. Imagine how
2: that album is going to rip my life apart and change me on a cellular level. But, (laughs) you know, I also recognise that it's important to have healthy boundaries in my parasocial relationships. So am I the kind of person who's going to get on Twitter and start ripping Joe Owen a new one purely because they broke up? Absolutely not. And I think it's really inappropriate when... People who profess to be her fans and supporters are taking
1: that on and potentially mm, just and aggravating
2: that situation. We don't
1: know what the breakup was like. Maybe exactly. it's perfectly amicable, and she still likes him as a person, yes. or whatever. And that's yeah, and then all this people- grew
0: apart.
2: Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah, that seems to be it what wasn't they're him. saying. It was, that it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, not not a spicy breakup. They just grew apart allegedly. And I think you know, at the end of the day, yes, she has sort of chosen this path that has propelled her into a level of celebrity that most of us will never be able to understand. But at the end of the day, she's also a human being and she's entitled to go through these experiences that all of the rest of us have the luxury of going through in private to an extent. So, yes, is it going to attract interest? Am I interested? Of course I am because she's an (laughs) artist that means a lot to me. But at the end of the day, I'm also kind of like, she's a grown woman and she's got a private life and I'm going to Cool, as long her- as she's still
1: apparently going to be touring in Australia. I know that's right. people are crossing if their fingers. If this disrupts
2: the era's tour, I that's am when going get- to absolutely throw all my toys out of the program. Oh, you'll be composing point.
1: a tweet at that oh, yeah. point. Oh yeah, I will be
2: tweeting. <laughs> I will be tweeting in the strongest possible terms. Okay.
1: Um, Raf Taylor Swift, This pa- is, is that a parasocial relationship you have?
0: With with Taylor? Yeah. Um, with uh, I I wouldn't say have a, a parasocial relationship. <laughs> it's a safe space. I'm um, big fan. Uh, <laughs> sure. I, I, fan of everything she does. I mean, is it private though? If like the next album is kind of six tracks about it or something, you know, is it still private?
2: Well, that's what we're really. She been, profits from it for
1: sure. I mean, we've
2: yeah. been going through this since Dear John, Derek. And I may, say maybe it. this is the
1: best, like. You know, they go through a lot of grief with these breakups. It has to be very public. Like, what? if I was them, I'd be making trying to make some money off it too. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, Get I that bag Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why they're not? artists. They process in their art. So I think you know, it goes goes both ways. Is she putting it out there for a level of scrutiny, of course? But is it also up to us to be decent people and to not take it too far in the way that they, we then respond to it and engage with it? Yeah, I do.
1: Mm. And on to a celebrity who we have no personal connection with but uh, have every right to comment on publicly <laughs> on national radio, uh, Millie Bobby Brown, 19-year-old Stranger Things star. She announced her engagement this week. Um, and, you know, I guess celebrities do lead this public lives life which allows us to comment on it and there was a lot of judgment and people, like, reacting to her engagement being 19. Do you have any thoughts, Raph, about, you know just the age of her or, like, her celebrity life.
0: I think it's beautiful. I think, <laughs> I think it's beautiful that they're getting married and that she's getting married at a, a young age. Um, like, she, does she not also have, like, the most American name you've ever heard in your entire life? Right.
1: Oh, yeah, it's iconic. Yeah, I love it.
0: Um, but, yeah, like, uh, people, look, here's my theory. Maybe this is a theory that's, like, best... Um, talked over like a glass table outside in the early hours of the morning. But, you know, we, we, community, we don't kind of have community anymore. Everyone stays in their house. We stay on our phones. Every, all of our acts are kind of individual. We're defined as individuals. We kind of need to reform communities through these, yeah, like parasocial relationships with celebrities. Um, and hence why people feel like they're kind of involved, as well as like looking up to celebrities as like that's the pinnacle, right? Like that's supposed to be the perfect life. Um, and so when you see them off screen, you assume they have the perfect life. And when these things happen that don't go according to your narrative, you kind of feel personally affronted or need to get personally involved.
1: Mm. That is a beautiful thing to, to be discussing around the proverbial glass table of the, the, the kick-ons, kick-ons which is <laughs> yeah. the shake-up. It's how we like to think of it on a Friday afternoon. And it's actually all we've got time for. So, Eliza Barr, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thanks for having me. And Raf Dixon, thanks for that, that little spiel. At the Anytime. End. That, that really, really added to it. Thank you. <laughs> That's all we've got time for on Hacks Podcast today. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. We'll be back with another episode for you on Monday. Bye. Hack
0: on Triple Jack.